how's it going, y'all? Welcome to 25% No Ice. My name is Megan, and I'm here to share my life with you 30 minutes at a time. We're gonna talk all about college life, growing up, and everything in between. So sit back, get your favorite bobas, and let's spill some tea. What is up, you guys? Welcome to another episode of 25% No Eyes. To kick off this episode, I'm going to quote from the very famous C.S. Lewis that once said, Friendship is unnecessary, like philosophy and like art. It has no survival value. Rather, it is one of those things which give value to survival. Oh, don't we all love C.S. Lewis? <laughs> and with that, we're going to talk about art on today's episode. In a society like Singapore, its lack of necessity and non-essential nature is made more apparent. So, our guest today, I would argue, is a friend who is in the business of giving value to survival. He is pursuing an arts degree in Singapore and today, we are going to hear his story and find out what is it like to be an aspiring artist and maybe even question his life choices. Um, I'm only kidding, of course. <laughs> but anyway, let's head into it. Welcome to the podcast, Jingshen. Hi, I'm Jingshen and I'm 24 this year. I'm currently taking up the musical theatre program in LaSalle. Studying the arts in Singapore, <laughs> I would say it's not the most popular path in Singapore, but it's one that's honestly, to me, it's quite fulfilling and very rewarding if you really pull through and of course it, there's definitely like um, struggles here and there but in the end it's still a viable job path to me. Okay but what made you wanted to pursue this in the first place? When we have to go back to like um, when I was like I think 10 where I first watched Phantom of the Opera and Esplanade. Mm-hmm. I know it's so it's so typical Phantom but <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's what got me into this and Honestly, it was from that point, which it's like, do you know, like when all those TV shows and they, they show you like love at first sight? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's like that kind of moment. So you have always wanted to pursue art since you were young then? In a way, yes. Um, I was actually trained in um, piano and violin from really young. So that's where, kind of where it began. And then I stepped into um, more movement, which is where my martial arts background came in. And from that point on, I would say Oshu is actually the odd one out, <laughs> considering considering all my other background, I would say, is more related to music. It was at that point that I realized, hey, actually, this is quite possible. And that was actually after I did, um, well, it was after I did the musical, like the year before you did, and with Espremier. Okay, um, would you like to elaborate a little bit because our listeners probably don't know what Espremere is and what musical you're talking about. Oh, alright. Alright, um, so Espremere is a, it's a singing club in SIM University. And this club, um, it actually does uh, all arts clubs. Do They have their showcases and showcases of um, the best performers and creative side of the club. And our club decided that a musical would be best. And I actually directed that musical. And yeah, I think that was the point where it made me realize like, hey, this is actually a viable job. And it's, it's actually pretty fulfilling. And of all things, it's very, very enjoyable. And yeah, Megan herself has been in one as well. Like 
She was the leading cast. <laughs> okay, so a little bit of a background. I met Jingsen in Espimir, which is a singing club in SIM, like what he mentioned previously. And it's considered to be an extracurricular. And I think we have around 80 clubs in SIM. I performed in the club's showcase in Espimir last year as the female lead for the musical. And if you guys have listened to the first episode where I had a chat with my friend Patrick, you'll notice that I also met Patrick in Espimir. So these clubs are not compulsory, but people who are interested to be in certain areas like singing, sports, dancing, or student council are welcome here. Okay, but now that made me wonder though, why did you study at SIM, a business school, when you wanted to pursue arts and SIM doesn't offer any arts course? Okay, so at the start, I was the, I would say I was the typical good boy <laughs> in the house. I would listen to my parents and I'd go like, all right, all right, I'll get a proper business degree. And from that point on, I'll go for like, self-training programs and maybe after I've worked for a few years, I finally take up the course in LaSalle. Yeah, that was actually the reason why I was in SIM. But it was after that, like after I did the the musical with Ash Premier, that I realized I really don't want to do an 8 to 5. <laughs> and yeah, I I did quite a lot of research. Like um, convincing your parents is not really like, hey, I want to do this because I love it, therefore I'm doing it. But it's more of like really letting them know like it's a sustainable job, feeling I'm happy there, I'm financially stable, and I'll be set up for life. And I'm actually ready for for the world out there because it's still an industry as a whole. Mm -hmm. What were you studying in SIM before you went to LaSalle? I was actually studying um, marketing, management and marketing. Ah, okay. I think marketing is one of that major in business that has a little bit of arts in it, right? Most definitely. Designs and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I joined Espimir a year after Jingshen here became an alumni. And he was one of those alumni that still comes back to Espimir to take lessons because we train with professional vocal coaches. So he was one of those people that helped me to improve, especially nearer to showcase day. So yeah, he's been there. <laughs> Okay, I'd like to ask, um, we know that the, uh, the society in Singapore in general, it's not very supportive in terms of the arts industry. So how was your family like? Was th were they supportive? And what do you think of the society in general here? Mm, okay, I'll start off with the parents' side because yeah, it's easier to answer that. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, well, my parents were actually very, very supportive because I actually have been teaching uh, martial arts for quite a while and I've been performing it as well. So I think that a really clear baseline that I know what I'm doing and I know how to survive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it took quite a while to really like um, settle them down because it's like, it's like I had to really show them, I had to do my research of how the scene is like and how like payments are made because if you're an actor it's practically a freelance job and you have no real contract or monthly pay so it's it's incredibly tough to like given the society in singapore where most of our i would say value is placed in like our jobs and stuff mm -hmm. yeah it's because like um like we're a first world country and and we're still in fact we're still growing really rapidly which is great 
but the arts is more, I would say, lesser known and the entertainment industry as a whole is, I wouldn't say on the weaker side, but just quite under the radar. Uh-huh. Yeah, so convincing them took, I would say, I think a month or so, like, of research. And, I mean, it, it wasn't really, like, a PowerPoint slide and stuff, but... <laughs> yeah, it did take some work. And, yeah, I, I kind of managed to calm them down a bit. And definitely my uh, experience with teaching the martial arts helped. So what I actually did, like, for any, like, of Megan's viewers who would kind of, like, want to try to convince your parents or anything, if you want to try to walk down the same path, is um, staying in the performing and entertainment industry in itself wouldn't be enough because it's not as stable. So how I did it was that I convinced them that I would be going into the skills transfer industry, which is basically teaching of um, special skills. So it's like uh, singing, acting, dancing, yeah, all of those and I would say, yeah, like kite flying, like kite making, all those stuff are included as well. But those are not in my course, but just to name a few, if like your viewers out there like have other special skills that they would like to make a career out of. Mm-hmm. That's quite surprising because I feel like Singapore is considered to be one of the most westernized country in Asia. But in general, we're still Asianized. So like the parents still kind of push their kids to have good grades and then uh, make sure they become doctors and lawyers and business people. So yeah, I'm quite surprised and pleasantly surprised actually that your parents somehow managed to agree because I know that some Asian parents would definitely, it's like a big no-no. <laughs> definitely. There's so many of my classmates who really had like to slowly convince their parents and even now that they're in the course, they're still trying to convince them that like it's a viable option in life. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I would say it isn't really like the society's fault because all of the parents and like everyone means well for their kids, for sure. Yeah. But it's just, I would say, it's not misinformation. Um, I would call it a lack of information, yeah. Like in general, there's not enough information on how the whole industry is like, in fact. And given like some um, variety shows on TV, like, they would show like film and theater as a liberal form of art. Yeah, and that's in a sense true. I would say, out. no, I'm sorry, I take that back. It's not liberal, it's critical. Mm-hmm. Yes, we are trained to think critically. And in fact, the government has been taking like um, steps in that direction as well. If you think about it, um, they've changed up the um, PSLE, which is our primary school students' curriculum, and have involved more um, critical thinking as well in the curriculum. Okay. Yeah, so I think it's great that we're moving in that direction because critical thinking for not just ourselves, but for what's around us is so important if we are thinking to move forward as a society in general. Oh my god, I'm sidetracking so hard. (laughs) (laughs) It's alright, but can you elaborate a little bit? What do you mean by critical thinking and how does it connect, have anything to do with art itself? Alright, um... I guess I'll use um, acting as, as an example. Mm-hmm. So I think that society in general is like, because um, we're so fast-paced in Singapore, because like um, from young, like I've been through the entire education system, it's, been, it's like so fast, we just got to learn our stuff, get ready for the exam, and ace the exam. So I'm so used to that system that I've forgotten to consider like so many other factors that affect not just the grades, but what comes after. Mm-hmm. So um, in an acting perspective that would put it in a way of like I'll call it the pre-preparation for an actor 
where we actually have to research our whole script and really read into the lines. And what that means, which like, because I know it's a really cliche statement, like read between the lines. <laughs> yeah, but what that actually means is to read the script and really to try and understand why our character says what he or she says and what motivates them to say that in such a manner. Because um, everything is conditioned by our past and our past experiences affect how we react to future circumstances. And I think have, having learned that, I've kind of managed to start to apply it in real life and it's made quite a great impact in my life because I start to understand that everyone else has their own set of views, experiences, mindset and goals and all of those affect how we think, how we act and how we react. Yeah, and I think that's how like critical thinking really comes in. Yeah, I, I agree to that actually because... When I was casted as the female lead for our SPMU musicals, that was my first time, you know, doing musical kind of show and performing and that big stage with audiences. So I learned a few things like my character does not have that much of a similarity, similarity to me in real life. And I kind of had to learn and try to make sense of how this character would feel and instead of instead of reading lines by line i was thought to um think like you said critical thinking about um why this character feels this way and how did how did that progress come into place so yeah i think it did open my mind to various places like when you are fully invested in a character you actually feel like that character and sometimes like even during the showcase I remember that people would call me by my character name and I would respond that easily and when you want to express something in emotion you want to perform to it you actually have to feel it yourself and you do use your past experiences in order to bring the atmosphere to you so yeah I think that's a really good point yeah all right I want to ask about the career prospects in Singapore like where do you see yourself in five to ten years especially considering that the majority of people that I know who study arts in Singapore would probably go overseas after they graduate and pursue their career there and so they wouldn't stay here after they graduate what about you you're planning to pursue it here right yeah it's actually quite interesting like um, the path that I'm taking because um, I'm currently um, working with um, my boss um, from like who he was my um, Ushu coach and my boss has his own company which by whereby he does events as well so he receives like um, quotations from malls companies to having D&D events and we go down to perform for them and once in a while there's singing involved there's dancing there's drums there's definitely Ushu and all of it is actually in line with what I'm learning in school, which is performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the acting aspect would be a, a little bit less because of the time constraint on stage for those kind of events that they've been receiving. But other than that, that's one of the best starting ground for me. Yeah, so actually, to elaborate further, it's I'm looking into becoming a singing coach after I graduate. Ah, okay. So, yeah. So, I actually intend to go to NAC, which is the National Arts Council in Singapore, mm-hmm. to take their pedagogical course, which is um, a teaching course for the art. And from that point on, I will actually, like, I'll probably join um, Sing Theatre, which is the, another company, which is run by my singing instructor from LaSalle. 
Yeah, so I'm really fully making use of um, the connections that I have, which is really important because in the arts industry, it's really all about connections. And in fact, not in fact, in all industries, you need to know the right people. Yeah. Yeah, connections will bring you far. Yes, connections brings us places, many places. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Can you tell us? Um. Okay. Would you like to continue? Oh yes, I think for I'll go with like my short term, long term, and mid term. Yeah, I mean short, mid, long. Yeah. Uh huh. So for my short term goals, I think I'm actually planning to go into think theater as a vocal coach. Like if they are hiring, hopefully they are. And if not, I'm actually intending to join other music schools in Singapore to join as a vocal coach for me to gain exposure and experiences. Um, meanwhile, on the side, I'll still be performing for theatre companies in Singapore, which are, cause um, there are a few which do musicals, which is basically my course. And uh, okay. Yeah, so that's really the short-term plan. And my mid-term plan is actually to start off a music school with my girlfriend, Jasmine, which I think Megan knows as well. <laughs> yeah, she's also my senior. <laughs> yeah, so like that would be the mid-term goal of setting up the music school, which is where my boss comes in, because I'll be working with him to um, set up like a music site for his company. Oh, okay, so this has been talked about and vaguely planned. Yes, it's actually uh, it's a plan in progress. Oh, cool, cool. Yep, and my long-term goal would actually be to head overseas to London to audition for shows at the West End. Mm. Would Broadway be the end goal for people in your position? Um, not necessarily, because there's actually like uh, a very large variety of different causes in LaSalle. But for my course specifically, there are a lot of seniors that stay in Singapore and some of them go back to Malaysia because that's where they're from and they set up their own production company where they do like small scale shows and sharing sessions which helps to push the entire community forward and they often collaborate with each other so yeah it's, it's great for networking and I would be I would say they're doing great like they actually recently performed for the Esplanade Great Dog August as well oh okay okay that's quite interesting because when I think about people who are studying arts in Singapore, like performing arts, I would imagine them planning on going overseas and hopefully get a full-time job once they're overseas, like in some Broadway shows or something. So that's quite interesting when you say that um, instead of doing that, some of them actually will go back to their own home country and start the integration and so that there will be more progress later on in the arts industry itself yeah and i think it's quite interesting as well like i agree with you that that is interesting because i actually had the same thought as you when i came into la salle in the first place yeah it was when i was inside that i realized there's so much room for growth in singapore itself like the art industry isn't it isn't a dying industry or a small industry it's actually a thriving industry that's quite under the radar. Yeah. Okay, can you tell us why you went into LaSalle? Why was this your school that you chose to go to? And what are they famous for? Is it like, um, are people who lo- who wants to major in arts would come to this school? Is that normal? I would love to say that I came to LaSalle because I know that it's the best Singapore, but I didn't really do my research. So... I actually chose it because it's the only place in Singapore that has a musical theatre course. 
<laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, it was a lot simpler than I would have loved it to be. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um. But after I got in there, I realized that luckily, musical theater is one of their like prime courses. Like, there's their sort of like the course that really shines out more compared to the other courses. Yeah, and they have really great um connections. They bring in experts from many other places around the globe, and these experts come down to give us master classes. And all classes are at least for from what I know in my course, all classes for us are personalized and customized for individuals. So everyone really gets the fullest out of everything. Um, what is the class size like there? At least in your class and. What do you learn? Like, cause it's kind of weird, right? As someone who does not pursue arts, because our mind would be when we think about university, we would be attending lectures and those sort of normal stuff. But then, what about you guys? Oh, I think this is where it really gets interesting because I have two lectures a week. What? Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's the only amount of lectures that I have. It's just two a week, and the rest is actually. Um, skill training, which is where we learn all our voice, singing, acting, dancing, all the skill sets. Where yes, all of our mods are compulsory. We cannot miss a single mod, and we do not get to choose our mods. Okay. Yeah, that's the only drawback. I wouldn't really call it a drawback because it's really everything is needed if we want to be good. So the first thing is our timetable. I would say, like I don't. Do you know about the secondary school in Singapore? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's something like that, but a lot longer. So we start off our first lesson at eight thirty in the morning, and we actually end at about seven pm. Ah. <gasps> yeah, provided that there is no production going on. Okay. If there's productions going on, we actually rehearse and um, do our production stuff up to I think eleven eleven pm. Um, I would say people would think that. I love my school. I I love going to school, and they'd be right, but that doesn't make it easy. <laughs> yeah. Cause, like they say, like you get to dance, you get to sing, you get to do what you love. It should be easy, right? But that's actually not true because there's first there's really um strong competition because everyone who came to La Salle really knows what they want, and it's like we are so focused on our goal. That there's really this united sense of drive and motivation for us to improve our skills. Like every day, you would see people coming to school at seven to practice their dance or their singing. When classes start at eight thirty, and honestly, I think there's a lot of misinformation out there that I would I wouldn't blame the general public, but I would think that a lot of variety shows have misrepresented dance and singing and acting too much because those things require practice. And patience, and it's basically a sport. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree totally with that because I feel like in the past I would perceive singing and acting to be something that does not require much of a hard work because I would imagine people who are in that industry are people who are actually passionate about it, so they shouldn't be struggling too much, right? But when I started to go into Espimir. And I had the practice, the practices as well, and I would train. It's crazy. I mean, I think I broke a lot of mental barriers there. And at some point, you gotta be so sick at the songs that you have to rehearse, at the scenes that you have to rehearse. But 
that's just the hard work part. And I think it's not fair to, you know, I hear people、um, praising people in the healthcare industry, say doctors,、um, saying that, oh, it takes so much effort to be in the school, it's expensive. And It's,、um, you gotta be a genius to be in it. No offense to、um, people who are in that industry. I don't, I'm not saying that you guys are not as good as what the public thinks. I think you guys are really, really great. But art students,、uh, spe- uh, specifically people who are studying acting or singing, I think the kind of effort and the kind of hard work that you give in is just as much as what. People, let's say, in the medical school would give because there are just so many challenges. It comes in different ways, but they're still hard. <laughs> yeah, I think every industry is hard in, in their own way, but if one loves it, I would say it's always worth it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, can you tell us a little bit about local art scenes here in Singapore and what does it feel like to do what you do? Like, personally, do you feel Like, you're proud that you are in this kind of community? Oh,、um, for the local arts, I think that it's, it's really thriving. I think, like I mentioned earlier, it's thriving. It's slightly under the radar. But all in all, I think it's a pretty, how would I say it? Yeah, wholesome. It's really wholesome. The people in the industry are really so,、um, they're so directed. Like, they know what they're doing. They are professional. They are incredibly skilled and talented. And they really put in the hard work. Together with the talent, and it's amazing to see like what can be achieved with talent plus hard work. When I first stepped into the cell, I didn't expect to be taught by basically people in the industry, and yeah, I, I was wrong, I was dead wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All of my instructors are people from the industry, and they are still active in the industry, so basically, they are our future employers. Because most of them own their own companies or are at least a part of one. And it was through them that I realized that the local art scene in Singapore is really pretty strong and it's under the radar, but it's slightly it's getting better over the years. And for me to be part of this community is really、uh, an honor because I would consider myself like, lucky. To have been offered a spot in the course that I'm going to because I really haven't had much prior training in terms of all three singing, acting, and dancing. I've really only ever been in one show before that that's professionally made by it's it was um it, has a, it had a Chinese title, it's called Tian Men Jue by the theater practice, and I was only there as a stuntman, yeah. But it was that that show that really gave me the first peek into the local art scene and that. The people in the scene are so dedicated to what they do that they would pick up a new skill just for one show. Yeah, because that show had、um, a lot of、um, choreographed stage fighting in it, and most of the actors there had not been trained in martial arts. And by the end of the show, I would consider them as like martial artists. Yeah, like they trained real hard, and it was really a joy to watch and to watch and grow together with them. Because while they learned martial arts from us, I learned so much more about directing, acting, and just the whole industry as a whole. Like, we all learn from each other, and I think that's the basis of the community, which is to grow. Yeah. And I think the community that we have, at least from what I experience, is that、um, after. A project like, for example, a musical, you would often feel like you guys are family because 
of the endless hours of practice that you would give in. And also, I also agree with uh, when you said that you also learn more than what you expected because for example like when i was in Premier, it's a singing club but people who are in the club aren't necessarily able to you know dance or act but they learn to, to do that and i think it's just the um, general atmosphere of the entire people who just want to do the things that they love to do and they just practice for one another and it's it's very insightful i would say Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So now that our listeners have sort of gotten a little bit of a peek inside the life of us art students, how do you think we can support artists like you and build a thriving art scene in Singapore? I would say the very the easiest way to support artists is to really just enjoy the work that they do and in a lot of these cases it's actually like I know I know um, finance is an issue because of the recent COVID as well but simply going to their channel to watch what they do and giving them a like sharing their their posts and streaming them on Spotify if they are on it like these little things actually really help artists a long way not just financially but in terms of um, mental and emotionally as well because um, it's really tough for an artist because how would I phrase this for each success that an artist has I think there would be at least 50 failures behind that success and the failures is what nobody's it's something that's invisible it's part of the work and it feels a lot like rejection and in fact most of the time it's rejection from labels from theater companies from auditions and stuff and it's really tough on the artist to continue to pursue what they do after facing so many rejections time and again yeah that's why i think the smallest things that the general public or like even an artist like myself can do is to really support, to go to their shows, to watch their shows if I can afford it, and to share their their posts and stream them on Spotify, share them with friends, and basically create like a small community, I would say, yeah. Okay, and um, I'm not sure if you are, um, if you've heard of this, but recently there was this quite of a quite of a controversy around arts in Singapore so for those of you guys who do not know during the COVID circuit breaker the state newspaper ran an article ranking the top five essential and non-essential jobs in Singapore and the top non-essential job was given to as you might have guessed it the artist so this sparked public outcry but today we would like to hear from an artist where do you stand on this Hmm, um, I would say it's really quite the controversy because um, as much as I, in a way, I would kind of agree that in the whole COVID situation, in the midst of it, an artist really doesn't like get the COVID situation settled. But the artist does keep the healthy people who are at home but can't go out mentally healthy. I think it comes down to the point where... Uh, like earlier you mentioned like Singapore is still like uh, the culture of Singapore is still predominantly Asian so it's more conservative and I think mental health is something that is still not really spoken about so with the lack of information on mental health and stuff people would think that it's not a thing that would affect people during COVID like cabin fevers and stuff but if they did read up on like articles they actually there was actually an increase in domestic abuse during the entire COVID period. And I would only shiver and shudder to think what the increase would have been if 
not for the arts, if not for shows streaming for free, if not for for companies doing like online projects to keep the citizens entertained and to bring their minds off of the entire COVID situation in general for a while. Because that's kind of how like that's kind of what at least for theater, that's kind of what it did back then when it was most popular in the United States. It kind of spoke about the darkest things and in a happy way, I would say. So it would kind of bring the audience would go there to suspend their reality, to live in the theater and in the show for a moment, so that they could escape the dark reality which was around the Great Depression. So yeah, it was real bad. And then they would come back out to face reality. But that moment of suspension gave them this, I would say, increased morale. And I think that was really important in the COVID circuit breaker moment. And it's although it's not wrong to say that an artist is the, one of the most non-essential during the COVID period in terms of helping with the COVID situation, it was actually, I would say that it was one of the most important in um, preventing a future problem, which is the decay of the mental state of the citizens in Singapore, which honestly they were looking into as well. So that's why I was quite confused when the article came out because there was a lot of things being done by Singapore to support the mental health of the citizens. But this article came out and it kind of undid what was done by but undid the good work that was done to help with mental health. To me, I I was thinking that showing the essential jobs was good because it really gave light to the nurses. It was it, being a nurse is tough work. It's solid work. It's passion for human lives and like kudos to all nurses. Even right now, they are working so hard. And I just thought that the non-essential jobs column didn't really like wasn't really needed in that article at all. So that is, I would say that I was not surprised by the public outcry from quite a few artists in Singapore. I was just hoping that there was someone who was more. In fact, I think there is, but it's just that I think there's groupthink going on now as well with all all the issues in the world that's going on. So everyone is trying to kind of find someone to blame so because that is so much easier given the mental state and the, the entropy of the situation right now. And I haven't really spoken up on this to anyone, so actually this will be a first. Um, for me, I'm a, I would think that I'm a solution-based person. So instead of like um, blaming the article and the straight time for posting it, I would actually kind of want to meet the person who posted it sit down, have a chat, understand where they're coming from, have him understand where we are coming from, and if possible, post another article to clear up the entire issue. Because that's, that's communication and that's how that's what makes things work. So, uh, okay, a little bit of a background for those who are listening and have no idea what article are we talking about. Um, this article from the Sunday Times, basically, uh, it was published around June this year, and they ranked five non-essential jobs and essential jobs and the essential jobs are not surprisingly like doctors nurses cleaners garbage collectors hawker centers so like people who sells food and provide for uh, food and beverages and delivery men but those who are in the non-essential categories are top one would be artists so uh, the okay the weird thing about this article i think is is also that 
um, the word artist is not very defined properly and they didn't even give any proper definition. But in general, we're thinking about, um, you know, uh, public figures and uh, some of the things that are also in the list of the non-essential ones are also telemarketers, social media managers and PR specialists, business consultants, human resources. So I think like I agree with you when you say that, yes, um, in terms of during this pandemic, it's very clear that like doctors and nurses, they are needed very much. And we all know how much we need food and stuff. But if we, if you live without artists, so artists can talk about a lot of stuff like um, it can be musicians, it can be um, actors, it can be voiceovers, there's so many things. And um, one of the simple example that I can think of is that I heard quite a lot of people, especially parents, who are struggling so much during the circuit breaker when they had to stay at home and they have their kids studying at home. And these kids just hanging on to their parents when their parents had to work from home, how hard that would be. Because if you don't have artists, you don't have cartoons for the kids. You don't have movies for them to entertain them. You don't have, you know, those teachers who are also taking on the role of uh, actors as well to make the home-based learning more interesting or more captivating to the kids. So I think the the whole article itself is very slightly ignored i would say or maybe not too clear about certain things definitely most definitely all right i think we covered quite a bit here <laughs> and yeah. um i would like to ask you if you have any upcoming projects or shows where our listeners can find you and support the local art and support you mm, i actually have a show coming up uh, in december 4th of December at the Esplanade. I think it's for the Voices Festival. Like the title of the show isn't confirmed yet, but it will be on the 4th of December. Yeah, that's that's yeah the only show that I'm aware of right now. Okay. Um. Well, do you know if it's gonna be streamed? It is most likely gonna be streamed because I think Phase Three can only come probably end next year earliest. Ah. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right, then. Anything else you want to add on before you leave from us? Um, I think if there's anyone out there who's like thinking of pursuing the arts and in fact anything at all that's out of the usual that everyone is told to go for it, but give yourself a deadline. For example, like I'm going to do the arts, but if I do not succeed and also when I mean, when I say succeed, give yourself a a clear goal of what it means to succeed. For example, I'll be making at least $1,500 a month for me to call it a success. Yeah, give yourself a timeline to succeed. And if you do not meet the timeline, go for your plan B and then try again when you are when you are ready. Yeah, that's really good. I think in that, at least you kind of, you, you'll able to at least be a little bit safe, right? And not go to one or the other extreme. Yes, definitely. Okay, so... Um, before we close off, we have this thing in our podcast where I would ask you random questions in one minute. We call it questions in a minute. And we'll see how many questions you can ask, you can answer um, in one minute. All right, uh, I'll try. <laughs> All right. We will start the timer in three, two, one. What is your favorite local artist? My favorite local artist? Um... Um, <laughs> I would say Edith Podesta 
from Wild Rice Entertainment. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What's your favorite music genre? Musical theater. <laughs> uh, favorite musician? Jeremy Jordan. Do you like bubble tea or soda? Soda. What is your favorite soda flavor? Orange. <laughs> um, Netflix or YouTube? YouTube. What is your comfort food? My comfort food is sweets. Lots of sweets. <laughs> Isn't that bad for you? <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, local Starbucks or local coffee shop? Local coffee shop. Night owl or early bird? Night owl for sure. You um, you got. Let me see. Six, seven, eight, nine, nine, nine questions. Woo. Yay! <laughs> All right. Anyway, yeah. Thank you so much for coming. Before you go, um, do you want to plug yourself in? Like, tell us your Instagram where alphos can find you and etc. Oh, okay, sure. Um, I actually have two accounts. So the first one would be H J S Less. So that would be spelled H J S L E S S. Okay, and that's your Instagram, right? Yep, that's my main one. And I have one for more for work stuff, which is J, the letter J, underscore, K-O-H, underscore, J-S. Okay, all right then. Thank you so much, Jinsen, for coming. I think I personally have learned a lot from you, even though I thought I know I knew quite a lot. <laughs> but yeah, I hope our followers does the same too. And I hope you enjoyed your time here with us. Yay, thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe if you'd love to spend some quality boba time with me. And you can find 25% No Eyes on Spotify and Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can email us at 25sugar0eyes. That's 25 and 0 in numerical form. And feel free to reach us via email if you'd love to be a guest on our podcast or if you know someone that would love to be here. Lastly, follow me on Instagram at Megan Bahar and I'll write that down at the description box. This podcast is produced by Megan Bahar and co-produced and edited by Everest. See you on the next episode.